city. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? If you are, say amen, and let's give him praise. The Bible says, this is the end of Thanksgiving weekend, and the Bible says these words in Psalm 92.1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Will you say that with me? It is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good, it is right, it is proper, it is pleasant, and so we're going to gather together today and give thanks. If this is your first time at Capital City, we are so glad you're here. Please take out one of the connection cards and fill it in, and if you have a prayer request, please fill that in as well. And if you are joining us online, we want to say welcome. Let's welcome those that are online. Tell them they are so much a part of our church family. The people who work so hard to make this online service a reality, it's so good. And so welcome to all of you. Today we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to give Him thanks. And we're going to have an authentic encounter with God. Will you stand together, all of you that are able, and let's look at someone and say, I am so glad you're here today. Would you do that? I'm so glad you're here today. I will tell you that we have some wonderful visitors, uh, Jimmy and Elizabeth Borjas today, all the way from Louisville, Kentucky, Angie's parents. Let's give them a wonderful note of thanksgiving, and we are glad you are here. And I see Pat Moore coming back in. She's been gone a long time. Pat, God bless you. We're glad you're feeling better. Let's worship together and let the Lord just have his way. Make a joyful noise and let's sing good unto the Lord.
desire to have family prayer as we worship on this next song, you can come and bring your uh, gift to the altar or your need to the altar. Sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. 
sing this let's pray it as the prayer of our heart and the prayer of this church we need a revival we need the holy spirit fire we need the king to be among us even right now let's sing it one more time we need the king to be among us and he is among us and we need a revival and holy fire in our soul we sing it with him one more time we need a revival That's your cry this morning. Kings and kingdoms falling. We need this today. We need God to settle on us in a way that we've never seen before. And He's able to do that. We need a revival. Holy Spirit.
Father, just now in Jesus' name. We want to come as a congregation. Lord, we just want to kneel here in our hearts and stand in your presence and reverence and just say from the depths of our soul, oh, we have heard of what the ancients and our fathers have told us about what things happened in olden days and how we long for those days to come again. And Lord, we pray for the Holy Spirit, His fire, His glory to settle among us. Lord, let us not be content. Let us not be comfortable. Let us, Lord, not be willing just to sit here, but Lord, to know that we are living possibly in the very end times. And we're living in times that you told us about. But you said in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, your, your handmaidens and your handservants, and they shall prophesy. Lord, we pray for revival fire. We pray for revival anointing. We pray that you will send to Cap City revival fire. And we welcome the King, the King, to be among us. For truly, we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Let's give God praise as the worship team. Wonderful job, worship team. God bless your heart. You may be seated. Wonderful, wonderful job, worship team. Let's give it to them one more time. Isn't it wonderful to see these young people and Randy <laughs> who is helping. And uh, Randy, I told Randy today he adds maturity to our group. He said, that means I'm old. I said, I understand. And uh, <laughs> too. And uh, so I, I will if you need it. <laughs> well, today is a special day. Yes, kids, you can go now. That's right. And um, God bless you. Oh, they have to kiss mom goodbye. That, that, that's important. I mean, you got to do that. So we love our children. We love our children. This is a special day for us here at Cap City. Uh, when I first realized that uh, the church had asked me to serve as this uh, period of, of your pastor, I began to put in my mind, who would God have to serve with us? And the first name, really, that had come to mind uh, was uh, Deborah McKay and her husband, Tom. And many of you know that Deborah is an ordained minister with the Churches of Christ and Christian Union. And I, for one, just want to say, I appreciate pastors who are female because they can do a whole lot of things that we can't do. And uh, in fact, many more things. And, and it's okay if you give a, a note of praise to that because that's exactly right. I've known Deb's family for years and years, the Seymour family, and I've known her for many years, and uh, it's been a joy to kind of become reacquainted, and while she was at Valley View, I felt uh, her and her husband Tom were at Valley View, I, I felt for months that God might be calling them this way, 
and I remember one time talking to her and saying that I really think, and that was even before I was serving as interim here, and said, I, I really think you ought to come. And she said, well, do you think I ought to resign today? I said, yes. And she, <laughs> she didn't know what to say about that. But God has blessed us with Deb and Tom and their lives. And some of you may remember this name, many of you won't, but uh, Dorothy Meadows, who was, I suppose, anybody remember the name of Dorothy Meadows? Yeah, I've got a few of them around here. Dorothy Meadows was probably the greatest evangelist I ever knew. Uh, General superintendents, uh, Connie's father was converted under her, Connie was converted under her, college presidents were converted under her ministry, she gave me the first chance ever I had to preach, and Dorothy had this special heart for lost people, and had this special heart for evangelism and outreach, and Pastor Deb and I now have walked together for a couple of months. And I see that same spirit in her. And so I want us to just give God praise and welcome her as she comes to preach for the first time at Capital City Church, Pastor Deborah McKay. God bless you. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> well, thank you, Pastor David. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to the Board of Elders of Capital City Church for the opportunity to be a part of this congregation and to get to serve here as um, we are walking forward. You know, with God, we always want to be walking forward, right? Because that's the direction. He is taking us home and home to heaven, but this is a mighty journey, and there are many things that we need to walk through as we are on our way to heaven. And so, good to get to walk together. Praise God for a church family, and I just really thank all of you. I have felt very welcomed and so embraced. I, the love of God is a real thing in this house. Amen? Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. So I'm excited today because I know that God is working. He is working out his purpose, even in the small steps. The church is taking specific things of, you know, thinking about fixing uh, additional parts of the stage or outreaching to people in different ways. All of these steps, God is taking us toward his additional purpose, his continued purpose, and just know, just know that he's working in us together. We are more together than we are one by one alone, and yet our individual responsibility is something that we cannot discount. It is something God is calling on us for 24-7, not with like a whip on top of us, like just work more for me, no, but for us to engage with him so that he can just move us all his direction and we can see what he is intending to do here in our area of the city. And so this morning, I want to talk with you <clears throat> for several minutes about the topic of walking in dangerous times. And the topic today 
includes walking in the midst of uncertainty, which reminds me of a story about an elderly man who was out for a walk with his grandson. And there are some guys in here, not so elderly even, but you have grandsons and you maybe go for walks with them. Well, they were out walking and, and the grandpa said to, this, to the grandson after a little bit, he said, son, how far are we from home? And the little boy said, well, I don't know. And so they kept on walking and the grandfather said, well, where are you? Where, where are we? And the child said again, well, I don't know. And the grandpa said, well, it sounds to me like you're lost. And the child said, nope, I can't be because I'm with you. So I'm not lost. And I just think about that in regard to our relationship with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and with Jesus, our Savior. We are with him. He is with us. He is for us, as we just sang. And we're not lost. We know where he's taken us. And so we can walk with confidence, even in the midst of uncertainty, whether it is personal uncertainty or it's the uncertainty of not having a job, of not knowing where our next house payment may be coming from, the uncertainty of illness, whatever things we're facing, the uncertainty around us in our city, in the country, in the world. We can walk with confidence because we are with him and he is with us. So I want to um, just talk today from Luke chapter 21, and we're going to start with verses 5 through 7, and so that um, scripture is there behind us and on the screen for us. Jesus is speaking to his disciples about all these things that they are facing, and honestly, they maybe didn't know everything that they were facing, and that's true of us too. You know, there are always things that are around us that maybe we don't even realize how much God is sparing us from every single day. But here Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples and they had questions. He was answering the questions. He was showing them how to respond as they were going to face things that lay in their very near future, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. But really, friends, that's a very short amount of time. And so as we go through what Jesus had to say to his disciples, we want to consider what that, how that applies to us, how his words have meaning for us today, 2,000 years later. So let's read. And while they were talking, they were talking about the temple. Then it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts. And he said, Jesus said, as for these things that you're looking at, just know, the day will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another, which will not be torn down. And their eyes probably went, whoop, like that, because they questioned him and they said, teacher, when will these things be? And what is going to be the sign that these things are about to take place? Well, here it was. It was Passover week. This is the final week of Jesus' earthly life before he was crucified. He'd been teaching each day in the temple. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all indicate 
that Jesus has a lot on his mind. There are things that he wanted to say to the disciples, and maybe it felt like he was running out a road, and yet in reality, Jesus was never in a rush, and he knew exactly where he, where he was supposed to be. Another great reason to stick with Jesus, because he's never late. He's always on time. So here the disciples were, and you know, they, they can maybe see that Jesus is a little, um, you know, everything is just like he's right on the edge of, of attentiveness. And here they are looking at the temple where he's been preaching during this week. And why is it that they would be so fascinated with that temple? Well, one author said maybe they were just thinking and dreaming of the time, hopefully in the very near future. You know, Jesus has been saying, I am going to be killed. I am going to die, and I will come again. And, and they're like, okay, so we know the prophecies from a thousand years ago that Jesus is going to rule from the temple. And they're thinking about, you know, Micah 5, 2, that the scepter would never depart from Judah. And Jesus is their guy. He's been teaching them from the Old Testament all this time. And so they're just trying to figure out in their head, well, maybe, you know, we're his front guys, so we're going to be out there and um, we're going to have a spot in the temple too. Maybe we'll get an office space. You know, this is really cool. And they were pointing out how wonderful that um, the temple looked. Well, the temple of Jesus' day actually was very magnificent. Uh, there was a man named Josephus who wrote and spoke and lived in the first century after Christ. I mean, he immediately followed the lifetime of Christ. And he was actually a Roman and Jewish military officer and a historian. He wrote a number of works. His most famous work was something called the War of the Jews, or the Jewish War, I think, as it's listed up there. And he's best known for that book, but he said in that work that the temple was covered on the outside with gold plates, and it was so brilliant that when the sun shone on the plates, it, it was almost blinding. And visitors coming to the city where there wasn't gold, the marble was so white that it looked like there was snow all over the temple. It was a spectacular view. And here the disciples were so excited about that. There's actually a picture that we have of um, Herod's temple, and that's um, an artist configuration from the specs that are in the Bible of, of what it may have looked like as it had been refurbished by Herod during the time of Jesus. Well... What Jesus told the disciples was that there wasn't going to be one stone left upon another of this amazing building. And they had to be completely bamboozled. And we know from history that just within 35, 37 years after Jesus died, resurrected, and went back to heaven, this structure was completely leveled. And the entire city of Jerusalem was destroyed. And I'd like for us to look at that. Um, you maybe can see there just the fire. And the second picture is the temple itself and that altar outside the temple. And two artists in the 1800s painted these oil paintings to depict what, what happened to the complete destruction of the city. The city was laid under siege by the Roman army, and after some months, they broke through the walls and killed 100,000 people right then. They took 97,000 people captive. They dispersed 
the Jewish nation, and that dispersion was so complete that for 2,000 years, Jews were only allowed to even return to Jerusalem one day a year, and that was the day of the destruction of the temple. And so, you know, it just, for the disciples, their minds had to be reeling. They had to be shocked and floored at Jesus' prediction. Where was this going to leave him? And where was it going to leave them in this timeline of him ruling from Jerusalem and being the real Messiah, as the prophets had foretold a long time ago? Well, Bible scholars look at this passage in Luke 21 and the companion passages in Matthew and in Mark um, in the Gospels, and they recognize that while Jesus was speaking to the disciples and trying to give them the heads up about events that were coming in their somewhat near future, there are also portions in those three um, parts of the Bible, those three areas of the Gospel, that it's very, very clear Jesus was looking forward within the next 50 years, but a number of those things were not ever completed as yet. And so you realize that this is a prediction that has even much further significance and goes out much further to the time in which um, even we live and maybe even future generations. So let's, let's look at what Jesus said to them, a few specific things about how to prepare and what could apply to them at that moment and then to all of us. And in Luke 21, verse 8, we want to read where Jesus said, See to it that you're not misled. That after he told them about these things that were going to happen, and they're like, when is this going to be? When is it going to take place? And Jesus does eventually get to answer those questions. But he tells them, first of all, that they need to focus on one important aspect. And the first thing he talked about was to address deception to not be led away into erroneous thinking. Um, because he said, there will be many who will come in my name and say, I'm he, I'm the one. And the time is near, but Jesus said, don't go after them. Don't be misled. This man, Josephus, that we just saw the image of, recorded that in the first century AD, there were at least seven other political messiahs, not counting Jesus and John the Baptist, or they were people who claimed to be the promised one who was coming, who would overthrow the Roman oppressors and rule from Jerusalem. There were people that were just in this hotbed of, of, of political movement and trying to claim that role of Jesus. And so even in our day, you know, this word is absolutely timely. Don't be misled. You know, we, we are all aware. I mean, I remember years ago as a little kid, a, a missionary kid coming back to the United States from out in Papua New Guinea, where my parents had raised me, coming through an airport, I don't know, in, in L.A. or in Singapore or somewhere, and there were people, you know, that were handing out the roses and that were dressed in a unique way. And, you know, they're like, who, you know, we've got the real deal about the Messiah, so here you go. I mean, good for them that they were out there sharing, but, you know, didn't want to be misled by that. And we don't want to be misled by people who are claiming some spiritual power. In our day, there is this whole New Age movement and a lot of things that tie into that. Anything that can pull our hearts off center from Jesus, we want to just put up our hand and say no. Yes, and um, why are people so drawn to deception? 
Well, I think on a personal level, as the Bible says, the, the, I think the prophet Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and who can know it apart from Christ friends we are dead in the water we are so subject to deception and so Jesus warned against that the other thing is that the messiahs who come by offer what they say just sounds so good it sounds like well that could be right and and let's face it there is misinformation that is rampant in our world everywhere you turn to news channels and different things you, you just hardly even know what to believe anymore. And last of all, this is, I think, a real big thing that all of us wrestle with. You know, it is a, it's hard work to think things through for ourselves. And sometimes it's just easier, well, I'll go with that, you know, what somebody says. But thank God, if there's anything that this time in the pandemic has shown us, is that we really need to get clear on where we stand. And first and foremost about Jesus, because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Amen. Amen. Our connection to Jesus is our first thing that we must be absolutely clear on. And if you're here today and you're like, well, I've heard about Jesus all my life. I haven't ever really personally said, Jesus, I want what you did on the cross and your death to count for me. Friend, you can do that today. You can give your life to him and know for certain that you have a forever relationship with him, that you have believed in the name of the Son of God and through believing, you have life in him. Amen. Amen. Well, not being misled is our own personal responsibility. And it's also our responsibility as a church to know God's word, know what he has to say about the, the issues our world is facing, and be able to respond faithfully in the culture around us. And friends, I really, you know, I am excited about what happens here on Wednesday nights. There are a couple wonderful times of study and of just an opportunity to set aside time for God to get in here to church and get under the word. I mean, Sunday morning for two hours and worship and a, a message is wonderful. But friends, we are to be people that know the word of God. And an amazing thing happens when we begin to study the word along with other people. We can talk to each other. We have permission. And we don't have to sit in the class. You know, I got to sit in on Pastor David's first session on Ephesians. It was amazing. And I know that what pa Pastor Ed and Nan are sharing from Romans is also just totally wonderful of God's grace and how he's working that out in our lives. But we don't have to just sit like little bumps on the log and just you know, just be trying to take stuff in. Our culture has turned us into spectators. But friends, we are to be interacting. Amen? We are to interact with God's Word. The Word of God is living. It's active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it divides. It divides truth from falsehood. It goes as deep as the joints and marrow. It, it discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. And we sometimes need to be in a fellowship with people and listening to what God has to say to let that Word penetrate 
all the way down and sift our hearts, sift our thoughts so that he can show us new things. So that's just a big plug for our Wednesday night study or get with someone and study and pray so that you can be growing and strengthened. This is how we avoid deception and how we avoid being misled and how God will transform our hearts. Also, in Luke 21, verse 9, Jesus said another thing to really be alerted to. He said, when you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place, but the end does not follow immediately. And friends, this is, this is a, a hard thing for us to deal with. And as, as our world you know, advances. I mean, we saw that the sack of Jerusalem and how horrific for the people who lived there months under siege. But there are areas of our world, we, you know, we may or may not see it on the news, but there are areas of the world that are absolutely under siege right now. And I would say that even our own culture, we are under siege through misinformation and through division. And friends, God calls us into his house to be unified with each other. It is by us unifying under his word that he can give us strength and power to continue moving forward and accomplishing the mission that Jesus left us to do. And, you know, this is, this is something, when Jesus said, when you hear of wars and disturbances, well, Jerusalem itself, and even to this day, it is the most hotly contested piece of real estate on the whole earth. Jerusalem has been attacked 118 times. There have been 44 different sieges. I mean, you know, you go on the internet and you start looking stuff up and you're like, oh my goodness. You know, I had the blessing and privilege to go with my husband to Jerusalem and it is a most wonderful city. But wow, to think of how these people just have to, you know, deal with the awareness that there are missiles and nuclear weapons that are pointing at them all the time and just through the political maneuvering, they are able to stay where they are and they are arming themselves to the teeth. But we know that Jesus is coming back and he has amazing things he's gonna be doing with the nation of Israel even up ahead. But he said, when you hear about the wars and the disturbances, what is the response? What did Jesus say? Don't be afraid, don't be terrified. And that word terrified in Greek means that you got so scared that you just ran away that you, or that you fell down, you know, like you were just so scared you collapsed. And Jesus said, don't do that. He's just like, steady, steady, stay strong. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Stay strong in me. And so even though we are surrounded, I was reading just the other night about a, a rogue nation in the Middle East that now has and has had for some time the capability of, of going nuclear and, you know, unwilling to talk, come to the table and talk with the, the nations of the West to really kind of self-guide. Self no, they're, they're ready to go when they're ready to go. And so, friends, we live in a time that is actually pretty perilous and pretty dangerous through the advance of technology. And yet, here is Jesus. Don't fall down. Don't collapse. You know, don't be terrified. Trust me. Trust me. 
because he is real and what he wants to do with us requires that we stay steady and we stay focused on him. And so we look also at the, another verse further on down in Luke 21, verse 34. Jesus also said, be on guard. And this on guard thing, you know, you think about like a sword fight on guard or something. But he, he's saying, take heed to yourself. Like pay attention to your own self. And here's what you got to pay attention to. You got to watch out. Be watchful. Um, have a sense of urgency that this is actually really, really important. Um, nobody, I mean, we have, I thank God for my husband. I thank God for my family. I thank God for this church family. You guys have my back, in a sense. We are connected. And yet, ultimately, I have, to, I have to guard my heart. And each one of us, this is our personal responsibility. And what did Jesus say guard against? And he spoke about three specific things. He also said be heart light. It didn't mean just be frivolous and la, 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 you know, whatever. And just uh, careless or happy-go-lucky. What he is saying is don't be weighed down with things around us. All right, because being watchful, that's something we do for ourselves. We don't want to settle in. We don't want to get too comfortable or become careless, as I said. At the end of the day, we are the ones that decide what we're going to take on and what we're not going to take on. Even if it, you know, decisions about our home and how our family will operate, our own lives, you know, how much, how much bandwidth do we have and, and what responsibilities are we going to bear? We want to do what God is calling on us to do and be faithful. And, and so our heart can be light because we do cast our cares on the Lord. Amen. All right. Others do watch over us, but part of this is our individual and our church responsibility that we have to watch and be on guard. So let's look at the second part of Luke um, 21 verse 34. Jesus said, don't be weighed down. And he called out three things specifically. We're going to hit them quickly here. He said, don't be weighed down with dissipation or drunkenness or the worries of life and that day, so that that day will not come upon you suddenly like a trap. Friend, Jesus' return, he has said clearly in many passages in the New Testament that the return of Christ is going to happen like that. Like you blinked your eye and he's come and those who are ready, those who are watching, those who are on guard, those who are living with that sense of like, man, this is important. This is an urgent thing he told me to be about. And so I got to get myself straight and go and share that message with others. You know, this is, this is where it's at. Um, Jesus said, watch out for dissipation. And that Greek word means it's like having a hangover. Well, whether a person is hungover from substances, or even if you just like pull some all-nighters because you're going to school and you're writing papers and you wait away too long and now you got to knock it out like in, in six hours. Oh, my word. Those are, those are bad. <laughs> the bottom line is that any of those things lessen our capacity to respond to what we need to do in the moment. And Jesus said, don't do that. 
Don't do that. So guard against dissipation. We need to be awake and have our faculties and the Spirit of God about us so that we can be on his mission. He also specifically called out drunkenness. And there are a lot of people that say a lot of different things. You know, the Bible uses wine as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, do not be drunk. But Jesus said, don't be drunken. All right. And um, you can, it, that what happens with that is there's a line and people that are in party mode, full on party mode, are actually seeking to escape. And friends, if our lives are about escaping, then I honestly think that, you know, we're, we're kind of on a track that's leading us away from the heart of Jesus. And he does not want to, he, he said, keep Jesus, Father, keep my people in the world. They're not of it, but keep them where they are. So he doesn't want us to escape. As I said a little bit ago, that our culture has, you know, there was even a book written in the, in the 90s or in the early 2000s that talks about entertaining ourselves to death. We live in an entertainment-based culture where you've just got to be having fun all the time. Well, fun is fun. That's great. That's great. But, you know, if we're just so consumed with things that keep us one click off center, then the Holy Spirit can't work with us and through us like he intends. All right. Well, maybe you're like, oh, I'm not even worrying about any dissipation, being hungover, or just trying to escape and just be in party mode in this moment. But some of the rest of us, boy, Jesus will get us on the worries of this life. Our day-to-day -day struggles that overwhelm us, and all we're doing is just thinking this tunnel vision, and I just, I just got to put one more. The Lord will help us with that as we give our burdens to him. So, um, again, Jesus said in Luke 21, 36, keep alert at all times. Keep alert at all times and pray that you'll have strength to escape all the things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Well, as Jesus was commanding his disciples to keep alert, he knew that the calamity that was about to befall the, the nation, the land of Israel, he knew the calamity that was going to happen just within a few hours. And he's like, stay, stay awake, guys. What happened in the garden? He said, come and watch with me for one hour. Come pray with me. And they, what'd they all do? They fell asleep. All right. And so I just want to point out to you that the, the calamity that was coming on the nation of Israel was approximately 35 to 37 years after the time of Christ. That when 70 AD rolled around and the city of Jerusalem was raised and the nation of Israel was almost erased for 2,000 years. And the miracle has happened. They're back in the land. And since 1948, we have been witnessing what God is doing. And there's more up ahead for the nation of Israel. But 37 years is not very long. And let me just, let's think together for a minute. 37 years ago, what year was it? I had to look it up, do the little calculation on my calculator. It was 1984. How many people were around in 1984? Some of you guys were just a glimmer in your mom and dad's eye. Some of you were, you know, just barely going into school. Some of you were in high school. Some were young families. And others were beginning a career. And 34 years, 30, 37 years is not very long, is it? In the year 1984, Apple Macintosh was introduced. 
And the longest game in Major League Baseball history happened. I didn't know that. All right. Also, international terrorism began to be noted as a real problem across the world. And just think about that. This, in 37 years from now, if Jesus does not come back first, it's going to be the year 2058. I'll be 98 years old. How old are you going to be? <laughs> but regardless of what happens in the world or where we are in our life stages, Jesus says, keep alert at all times and be praying that you will have strength. Those disciples needed strength to get through his trial, his crucifixion, the resurrection, his return to heaven. And they especially needed strength for what he said to them when he came back. Amen. And let's look at the scripture because these things were all out of Luke 21. But let's just go forward to Matthew 28, 19, 18 and 19 and 20. When Jesus came back after rising from the dead, what did he tell his disciples? He said, all authority has been given to me. I rule everything. I have all authority in heaven and on earth and all. We were singing this morning, praise God, kings and kingdoms falling. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. And because of that, he said to them, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And look, I am here with you always. In Spanish, they say, mira, mira, mira aquí. Look, look right here. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And after Jesus rose from death and went back to heaven, what did he do? This was the one command he gave us, friends. This is the one thing that he said, you want to pay attention to this. This is why we have to stay alert. This is why we cannot let our hearts get weighed down with things that won't matter. This is why. There is one command. He said, go and tell people about me. About me. Friends, we may never go you know, across an ocean. Or young people, you may go. Older people, you may go. Judy Kroom, our friend right here at Cap City, goes to Egypt every couple years. But each of us has a circle of influence. And we go there every day. And you know, kids nowadays are so excited, they want to become YouTube influencers. You know, and they want to get these massive followings and earn that money from all the clicks and all that stuff, which I understand. But the real thing is that they have a circle of influence right where they live and people that God put them to rub up against and to have a life with and that they can make a difference right there by telling people about Jesus. Well, you know, what else could be more important that we could possibly be doing when our Lord comes back? I don't know how many times, I can't tell you how many times I think over and over. What will the king say? When I stand before him, what is Jesus going to say? You know, was I busy doing what he told me? Or was I busy doing all these other good things? Besides, really sharing the gospel. And I want to just tell you, this actually happened to me when I was a young girl. 
My parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea, and we would go out every six months to civilization. We had to put on shoes. We'd get in a little airplane, Cessna airplane, <laughs> and fly out to Mount Hagen or Ley or Medang, the, the cities that were out like closer to the coast or the central city up in the Western Highlands. And we had gone up to Mount Hagen. Mama had to run errands. We were staying at a mission guest house. And I remember, she said, honey, she said, I want you to do the dishes while I'm gone. Okay, easy enough. I could do that. Sure. All right, Mom. Well, she got gone, and I was looking around. This was such a cool space, and I was like, oh, I'm going to rearrange the furniture. And so I, I set about rearranging the furniture. I moved the chairs over here, pushed the couch over there. I was like, oh, this is just great. I was so busy doing I forgot all about the dishes. Oh, my word. <clears throat> and when my mother returned, she must have had a stressful day because I heard plenty about why weren't the dishes done and what on the earth was I doing with all that time, God, that she had allowed me. You know, I had, had time and friends. You know, that's a simple thing, but I do not want Jesus to return and I have been busy doing all my other stuff or I have been overwhelmed or I have been dissipating with whatever thing or I have been drunk on the entertainment of the world or whatever. Friends, we are the ones. We're here because we believe this stuff. Amen? We are here because he calls us to know the word. He calls us to get our lives in a spot where, wow, we can actually begin to help other people because he said that we are his messengers. He said, go and tell everybody. And we got to get ourselves in a, in a place where we're able to do this. And the thing is, the Lord is with us. He's like, look, mira, look, I am with you. I am with you. And I just want to close with this, this uh, last a picture about the wave of influence from our lives. I want us just to consider, Pastor David alluded to this. He and I were at the state capitol a couple weeks ago, and um, Sister Ruth McNeil Edmonds, Pastor Edmonds, just referred to this, and I looked up how this all worked. Has any of you ever heard of Edward Kimball? I hadn't until they talked about it. Have any of you ever heard of Billy Graham? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but do you know that Edward Kimball was a man who had a group of middle school boys in the city of Chicago that he trained in the Bible. He won them to Christ. He loved them. He trained them up in the Lord. And one of those guys was the next person, was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody became a very famous preacher here in America. And he spoke to numerous people. And there was a gentleman whose last name was Chapman um, who was converted to Christ through D.L. Moody. Wilbur Chapman got saved. And through his ministry, Billy Sunday came to the Lord. This is pretty amazing because Billy Sunday had been a very famous person just out in baseball, I believe. Yes, and he became a preacher and that became the passion of his life. Well, Billy Sunday preached, and a guy by the name of Mordecai Ham heard the gospel, and he came to Jesus. And it was through a tent meeting in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina, that Billy Graham didn't even want to go to church, didn't even want to go to that revival meeting, and somebody got him, God got him there. And friend, it's through your life and through my life that God wants to get people to Jesus.
And that's his method. That's what he picked to do. So it really is on us. This is what he's given us to do. And what will the king say to you and to me? What will he say to our church when he returns about what we have been involved and engaged in? As I said earlier, the first thing we want to do, if we do not know and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what's step one? Give our lives to him. Give our lives to him. And you know, we don't have to like try to get it all straightened up and come to him. He takes us as we are. And our job is just to yield. Yield. Jesus, you need that? Okay. Jesus, you want to do this in my heart? Okay. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's let him work with us so he can shape us and mold us. It's hard. It hurts sometimes. But the Lord will do his work. And I, the second thing I just want to ask is on the connection card in the bulletin, if you want to make that decision to receive Christ today, I just appeal to you. Pray to him right now. Pray to him when you're home, but just write it down. I am deciding to follow Jesus. I will commit to his purpose in my life. And another thing is any area that you are aware or if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today that there is an area in your life that you want to strengthen, please make a note on the connection card. There, the pastors, the, the, the people on the staff that are looking at these, the people that join that prayer effort on Tuesdays. Friends, we are trying to intensify the prayer in this church and for the needs of people. So let's participate. And you're allowed to come. I mean, come on Tuesday morning at 11, we pray right in the resource room. If we get too big, we'll come out here. It's all good. We want to be people of prayer because it is as we pray that God does his work in us. And so any area that you want to strengthen or you think this is a need in our area and our church is positioned uniquely, we could do something about this. Please write it down because the church leaders are paying attention. We are looking and trusting God to lead us in his purpose. And I just want to close. There is a beautiful song that I hope we learn to sing at this church. And we're just going to uh, listen to it. If it sounds like something that you could sing, it's really singable. The words are on the screen. Just, just sing, okay? It's called Blessed Assurance. Well, we all used to sing Blessed Assurance out of a hymn book. That's a wonderful song. And this one is a wonderful song of Blessed Assurance as well. So let's listen to that song, and then I'm going to pray and close this portion of our meeting. satisfied were vain and empty until the moment you rescued me and your love filled me my soul sings now my soul sings what Oh! 
Yeah, let's just pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, we are so thankful to you. We are thankful to you, Jesus, for being the one that came to this earth when we were alienated from you, when we were separated from you and we could not help ourselves. You came as God's messenger of love and you have lifted us from all the things, all the traps, all the snares that Satan just is trying to bind our lives with and you just have said like you did with Lazarus, unloose him and set him free. And that is your purpose, Father. It doesn't happen necessarily from one second to another, but you, if you're able, but you can strengthen us to grow that resolve and that yieldedness to you that results in freedom in Christ. And that we, God, can be uniquely positioned to be those influencers in our circle with the people that you've put us with, with the, the angry people and the hungry people and the, the, the people that have, you know, just their focus is somewhere else completely. But Lord, you can let your love shine through us until they can see and they can hear and they can have a chance to respond to you. So Father, I just ask today that if anyone has said, Jesus, I want your death to count for me, that you will seal to their heart that they have been forgiven, that they are your child, and that you have a new life, and that you're going to show them what your purpose is, and you will train them through your word, that you will love them through your people and through your spirit. So Father, just go with us today. Be with us now as, as we conclude the service. What remains in this meeting, we just thank you for the privilege that you have brought us here, and we are yours, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you. We have heard the word of the Lord today. Amen. Let's give God praise. Let's really give God praise. I will not be shaken. I will not be afraid. What a beautiful message. Thank you, Pastor Deb. Beautiful, beautiful in every way. We're going to come to you at this time for our morning offering. I might just share with you that if you still would like to give in the I Love My Church offering uh, that is helping to raise uh, the technical areas and the stage uh, renovation and all those sort of things, you can certainly uh, give in that as well as our tithes and our offerings. So ushers, will you come forward, please? And as you come, I just want to say that uh, uh, we have had two very prominent deaths in our congregation, uh, Carolyn Dozier's mother, uh, Minnie, and her service. She is having visiting hours, and I think that uh, uh, Scott will share some of those details, but we've also had uh, Jill Workman's, uh, I think it was her father-in-law who passed away. And so uh, let's remember these families. I might also mention that uh, Ed... Uh, uh, who is now our wonderful, wonderful Ed Davis, who is our wonderful church facilities manager now. Ed, would you stand? Just stand. We have just hired Ed as our new church facilities manager. 
And we're expecting 100 people tomorrow for lunch uh, for this family. He'd like to ask any able-bodied men uh, to help him take a few chairs down over there uh, to get ready for that. So let me pray, and then Scott will come and give you uh, the announcements for the day. Our Father, thank you for what we have heard, what we have felt today. And thank you today for all that you have done for us. And help us, I pray, not to be afraid. Help us not to uh, be somehow misled. And help us somehow not to be able uh, to get ourselves to where we are not ready for your return. Bless this offering, those who have to give and those who do not have to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember to put your cards uh, in the baskets as they pass by. So, Scott Fisher. Where are you? There you are. And uh, you don't have the, uh, the, the other person with you. No. Did she just skip out today? She don't want to be up here with you. <laughs> <laughs> she was embarrassed last time, so she was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I just want to let you know, I didn't hear anything about it this morning, but our altars are open if you watched the game yesterday, so you can bring your weeping and your sorrow. <laughs> I had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Um, let me go ahead and give you announcements. Um, as Pastor David mentioned, uh, Carolyn's mom has passed away. Um, she's now in heaven. She's a saint in heaven, enjoying herself, I'm sure. Uh, the visitation is today at O.R. Woodyard down on South High Street from 2 to 5. Uh, please feel free to to stop in and give your condolences to Carolyn and her family. The funeral service will be tomorrow um, at 10.30 at O.R. Woodyard. And then the cemetery service and the burial, that'll actually be Tuesday at one o'clock at Sunset Cemetery. So if you have any questions, I'm sure Pastor David, they can seek you out uh, for more details. All right, what are these called again? Did everybody get one today? Oh, okay. Well, last week was like 16 people. Today, I got about 20. Did everybody get one of these? Yes. Okay. Well, there's five, so we're good. All right. Within the bulletin, there's a lot of details, but I'm going to give you some of those right now. Christmas at Cap City. Does everybody see this page? Yes. Perfect. Next Sunday, December the 5th, is first Sunday. So please come for some fellowship, some fun. I heard that uh, Santa is actually making his way down a little early this year. So if you're young at heart, old at heart, he will be here. So just, just so you know, just throw that out there, jot it down, put it on your phones, whatever you need to do. On December the 12th, does everybody remember Dr. David Harris? He was here a couple months ago. He will be preaching that Sunday. So that will be December the 12th. And then on December the 19th, uh, that'll be our Christmas Sunday. Uh, there will be music. Um, there will be a live nativity scene. I'm just going to leave it at that. Kind of pique your interest a little bit. Uh, there's morning and evening services. And the evening service is going to be a candlelight uh, service. So that'll be at 6 o'clock. And then on Wednesday, I believe it's December the 22nd, um, there will be a communion service at 7 p.m. I know it's a lot of information, but it's all right here for you in your bulletin. And then also during the month of December, uh, we will take up a special Advent offering. And what that is, is that we're encouraged to give a love offering for our missionaries around the world. So if it's pressed upon your heart for our missionaries, 
this is the month to do it. So you can pray about that and, and give to them as well. And they can probably just drop, you can drop that in the offering bucket and just make sure you label it uh, Advent offering for missionaries or whatever, however you want to do it. So that's all I have today. Again, don't forget to read these. These are important. And enjoy your Sunday in Pastor David. I want to tell you what, these two guys, Scott and Tara, are the best announcement givers I have ever had. I think we ought to give them really a good hand. I mean, they really, really are. I will have to say, Scott, though, when Tara's with you, it looks a little better. I just want you... <laughs> we are glad you're here. Let's stand together, turn the lights up. Let's say hallelujah, not down, but up. And let's, let's sing hallelujah and get ready to go. Are you ready to, there we go. Are you ready to rejoice this week? God bless you. Shake hands with everybody you can and tell them God bless you. You are dismissed.